0: it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked
1: Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft.
6: What
5: up America, Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from beautiful sunny Southern California. Hope you're having a good day. Sorry I couldn't be with you yesterday. I was uh, guest hosting the Dan Patrick Show where we talked about Juwan Howard and the issue which now has him suspended for the rest of the regular season. We'll get to that upcoming in about 15 minutes. Uh, Leon Rice, head coach of... Boise State University, they got a big game tonight at home on 2 22 against San Diego State. And, um, you know, for that, uh, we also want to get his thoughts on the the, the, the handshake line discussion on uh, coaches, talking to other coaches in handshake lines, etc. Uh, also got some thoughts for you on Zion Williamson and what's going on in New Orleans Uh, Mason Rudolph got a vote of confidence. What's that mean? Maurice Jones Drew will join us. We'll talk about the Steelers situation. We got a bunch. We got a metric ton to get to. Uh, Okay. So, oh, we got Rick Bucher later on the show too. Awesome. So yesterday, Aaron Rodgers took to social media and had posts of gratitude, including his now ex-fiance, who he had great gratitude for. His teammates, his organization, his coaching staffs. There was even a picture of Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb standing at attention for the National Anthem. And normally, that's where Aaron Rodgers stands. Only that picture was taken in Kansas City, the one game he missed, which left a lot of people wondering, what does this all mean? So today, he had his weekly appearance on Pat McAfee's show on YouTube and he said this about it being cryptic.
7: Unless you've gone through certain experiences um, and had, you know, uh, frustration and, and, and been near the bottom and then get near the top and understand the uh, the beauty in life. And uh, I think that's then you might say things about that. that's a cryptic message. I mean, there's nothing cryptic about gratitude. You know, I just came out of a, a 12 day. Cleanse where you're eating a specific diet and you're going through these treatments every day and you're not really doing anything else. You've got to kind of turn everything else off. And, and so, you know, you're not working out. You're not s- straining or anything. It's kind of a recentering. Um, and, and it not only heals you physically, but I think it takes away mental stress. And, and then the spiritual part, I think it allows you to kind of enjoy the meditations a little bit more. So when I come out, my first thought is just intense gratitude for the people in my life. And that's not every person in my life that I mentioned. And and there's other people to to highlight and the credit, but that was just where I was at. I was going through some old pictures from the last year and felt an intense amount of gratitude uh, for the life that I have and for the lessons that I've learned and the growth that's happened over the last year and the people who've been a part of that.
8: Okay.
5: Uh, here's Rogers explaining the photo with Randall Cobb and Devonte Adams.
8: One of the photos was actually the last photo and it was a photo of Randall Cobb and then a space and then Devonte Adams and the internet obviously and the people who are your detractors uh, were saying oh, this means he's done he's gone and it sounds like you legitimately do not have your decision yet although you might be leaning one way or another you're a human. In my eyes when I saw this photo it was you actually saying thanks to them for thinking about you when you weren't there. Am I wrong in reading that or is that exactly why you posted that? Is
9: that
7: a first you of all, you're exactly right. And and you know, full transparency, when I got that message, I cried. You know, when I got that photo from from Randall and Devante, you know, it, it brought tears to my eyes. Because that's my guy standing before the game, right? Randall's always on my right, Tay's on my left, and I embrace with both of them after the anthem, and it's it's a part of the pregame ritual, but also just a. A statement about friendship and love and, and the connection that, that we have uh, collectively and, and individually in our own friendships, and you know, they held space and, and an open spot for me. The game I missed because of my positive COVID test, and that got me, man. And that's one of my favorite photos from the year. It, it really is, because it just shows the love and, the, and, and and how special each of those moments are. So that's you know, that's one of my all-time favorite photos, and and. The thought that went into doing that was, man, deeply moving to me. And and especially with, you know, how crazy that week was to get that photo after the game from them was, it got me.
5: Uh, Here's Aaron Rodgers talking about the balance between home life and personal life.
7: When the home life is so great it, it, and the work life is is good as well it allows you to have work be a bonus so work is no longer a refuge or home is no longer a refuge huh. where you have to get away from a certain environment to be able to thrive when you're thriving at home and loving work you know, work just becomes icing on the cake. And, you know, I was I was teasing with, uh, with Matt uh, before, and I mentioned in my speech, two, three years together, two MVPs, there's no coincidences. And I also was telling Shay, you know, I've been with you for two seasons, won two MVPs. Like, that's not a coincidence either. And I mean that, you know, when, when your home life is stable and you have uh, an amazing partner to, to do life with, it just makes the work life a bonus. And it, it changes the perspective because you're able to not look at work as like a refuge. Yeah. It's like, how much more fun can I have at work now? Now that the stress you know, of, of, of personal life stuff is is out of there, how much more enjoyment can I get out of work? What areas can I focus on to, uh, to enjoy more? The bus rides, the meeting rooms, times to put your phone away and enjoy the locker room conversations. I think that's a huge part of it.
5: Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox sports radio. Uh, Look, look, my takeaway is that we all want the answer to where Aaron Rodgers is going to go. What does he mean by it? And Aaron Rodgers is, he's going through this, this kind of earthy uh, meditation sort of phase where he's trying and searching for anything. He's it's the, it's the search for happiness. It's it's midlife is what it feels like to, to, to me. Um, but the idea that we all think that he's cryptic, this is a lot like when a guy first half of a baseball season, it's a ton of home runs. We wonder, we wonder if uh, he's on steroids. Why? It's not any of his own fault. It's what we've seen for the past 30 years, 40 years in baseball leads us to be suspicious of somebody having an unbelievable start. When when athletes talk amongst themselves, you know, like basketball players after a game, we all wonder if they're trying to arrange a super team because, well, that's apparently what Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant did back when they were together. And they're seen whispering and planning and plotting Aaron Rodgers. The reason we're wondering about the cryptic tweets is not necessarily because of the tweets it's because well how much he's not let us in in the past and how many athletes have had those cryptic tweets which leads us to believe he's staying or going all of what we've seen through the use of social media are breadcrumbs lebron left us breadcrumbs that He was going back to Cleveland. He left his breadcrumbs that he was going to L.A. And so we're searching for breadcrumbs for what Aaron Rodgers is doing. That's not the fault of Aaron Rodgers. The part of Aaron Rodgers is, you know, look, he hasn't let us in. And now he's letting us in. And we needed that voice to give us a set. And even if he explains it as, it doesn't mean anything other than, man, that photo really got me. Here's a powerful one. We all think we want to read Aaron Rodgers' mind. And the fact is, none of us can. Byer, do you have what's your takeaway from Aaron Rodgers' um, Instagram posts over the last day? Yeah, I, you know, last night, like I, I think
9: I, I thought it was too easy for him to send that out and then set it up for today in that announcement because that's just not. That's just not who he is. He's a. It, I, I don't mean to use this in a general term, Doug, and I've always used this with you. It's just he's a different cat. He's just he's. Just does stuff that maybe I wouldn't Not that I wouldn't do, but I just don't go around Or go about the way that He does certain things And I don't know many people that do the things that he does I thought that last night Actually, I I was not expecting Anything today because it just would be Too on script for Aaron Rodgers With that post last night He may be feeling all of this and it may be His way of riding off into the sunset But I didn't think that we were going to get the announcement Today from the emotional post Last night
7: Uh, What do you think, Chase 2? I think that Aaron Rodgers is very genuine in everything he just said, except one thing. Um, I do think that he did it intentionally last night to be vague because I think he's playing with us. He knows he's going to be the topic of conversation. He knows there would be a full night and morning of discussion about him, which there has been. And so I I'm not I'm not buying the fact that he wasn't being intentionally cryptic, but everything else to me uh, rings true. Everything else he said. And I think he I I think a lot of his answers are smart and that he's he's contemplating something big right now. Uh, But I also think he's kind of kind of having fun with the people that cover him.
5: Uh, Ramos, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I think he's definitely knows what he's doing. He's definitely putting out signs just so people kind of screw around and be like, "Well, I wonder what he's gonna do." He likes the attention, and uh, this doesn't seem like anything new to me for Aaron Rodgers. It seems like right, right in his wheelhouse.
5: Uh, look, I don't think it's that he likes the attention. I don't. I I don't think I I really don't. I don't believe he I I understand Ramos where you get that from. And it's it's a really reasonable take and thought that, hey, this guy just loves the attention of if I post something. I I think he's a searcher. I think he um, isn't crazy happy and he's trying to figure out, was it Green Bay? Was it the organization? Is it football? Is it that I haven't? Taking stock in what I have? Is it relationship-wise? Would leaving Green Bay make me feel better? Would a different organization, would a change of scenery make me feel better? Or can I just be happy where I am? My, my, I honestly believe, okay, if if you take what Daniel Jeremiah told us, which is what I've heard, which is most expectations are for him to return to Green Bay— I think he's trying to convince himself and all of us that, look, he's taken stock in all that he has. And he realizes what he has is really, really good, that most people would kill for it. And he's going to try and, you know, be happy where he is instead of searching for the next thing. I don't know if that works. That's my read on it. And again, you're trying to read something from somebody who's very, very difficult and frankly doesn't feel like he wants to be read and tried to explain
6: that to us earlier today. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
4: Hi, checking in for
0: or the perfect table.
4: Hey, where are you?
6: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dan Dockich joins us. Dan, have you ever
5: done
10: a cleanse? No, I've had an enema, but other than that, I, and I've I've cleansed for uh, I guess a colonoscopy, but no, other than that, I. By the way, Aaron Rodgers is coming to Indy, and I'll tell you why. Here in Indianapolis, Pat McAfee lives literally uh, two blocks away from me, and Aaron Rodgers goes on his show every Tuesday. So Pat lives here in Indy. Aaron Rodgers goes on his show uh, on Tuesdays. And, by the way, he wears blue a lot. So everybody here in Indy thinks that Aaron (laughs) Rodgers is absolutely coming to Indianapolis. So there you go. Case solved. Mystery solved, big boy. Uh,
5: I I appreciate that. Um, Okay, you and I discussed on on your show— uh, don't at me, which you can see on uh, on Outkick. Um, wh- wh- when the where were you when the fracas, the melee broke out in Madison? Where were you specifically?
10: I was at my. I was working out. I saw was watching a game. I uh, actually, my wife and I were playing simulator golf. I got in the car. She stayed to work out. I came home and. I did kind of what you did. I I wasn't really paying attention. and I was talking on the phone, got off the phone, was walking in my house, clicked, clicked on my phone, and man, oh man, it blew up. And then I saw the video, and then I, I, I think uh, off of somebody's Twitter feed, and then I saw the full video. And then, of course, as you well know, and I'm sure it happened to you, everybody's texting you, calling you, what do you think, what do you know? You know, my son's hit me up because he played at Michigan, went to Michigan, you know, he loves Michigan. And, uh that's where that's where i was and frankly when i saw it um i couldn't believe it and doug i got a different perspective being with bobby knight uh i never i mean look i get it people say well you know bob knight was Nazi he through a chair i'm literally getting ready to go in the game i'm sitting next to bob knight when the chair was thrown i was a player but i never seen a coach hit another guy on the court with a punch or open hand or whatever you want to call it I- i've never seen that before so i was fascinated and of course you go to twitter and you know that obviously it blew up for the next couple of days. Yeah, so
5: I mean, pe- people say all the time, "Well, you know, Bob Knight was this crazy person. He did throw a chair on the on the floor against Purdue, and of course, he had the incident in Puerto Rico with the with the Pan American team." But what were handshakes like when you
10: were playing for and coaching under Bob Knight? We didn't have them. I mean, look, and I, I get a kick out of everybody. You know, you have a different opinion, that's fine. Everybody has their own opinion, but when I played. You know, you went and shook hands with guys you knew. I was telling the story today, um, and this is true. Knight lost his mind. We were playing Ohio State, and I was on the other end of the court, and Troy Taylor, who was a freshman, he was my age, threw a kid named Jimmy Thomas down. Knight literally came on the court and started dropping F-bombs all over Troy Taylor. And I ran up kind of on the fray at the end, and after the game, Uh, We didn't have a handshake line, but I went up to Troy. I said, hey, man, sorry about my coach. He lost his mind. We were kind of laughing about it. And then Knight came in, and he said, hey, I didn't cuss at Troy Taylor, right, Danny? I go, hey, man, I'm a freshman. I'm trying to get in a damn game. I'm like, yeah, coach, whatever you say, man. (laughs) You know, I got your back here, coach. So, you know, you would go to guys you knew. You would say hello. You'd wave and walk off. It was really no big deal. In fact, when we lost at Indiana, um, you know, you not only wanted to get off the court, you wanted to get out of there, and, and it was – I'll never forget this. This is 100 years ago. Uh, Mike Woodson's playing, coaching Indiana. Indiana wins championship. It's a big deal. It's the first game i would ever been to at Indiana as a recruit. They beat Ohio State. Uh, crowd goes crazy, all that kind of stuff. I'm in the locker room as a recruit, and next thing you know, Herbie Williams and Clark Kellogg come into Indiana's locker room to congratulate. That to me is what real sportsmanship is. The handshake line's a fraud. The handshake line's just, uh, in my opinion, now yours is different, but the handshake line, the guy, and I used to do that too. I'd go see a friend of mine that played at another team. Hey, man, great game. I got to get on the bus. But, man, that was a great game. That's what I think men do as opposed to get in a line because some soccer mom uh, does it in sixth grade basketball and we're all supposed to do it. That's just well, my opinion.
5: I, I, I appreciate that. I would say that, that uh, I, I do think it's for show, I, I, I absolutely do. But I, I think it's I think it's a good show, not necessarily of sportsmanship though. Of like we we got to have a little bit of a discipline culture, and I I think that's what Izzo got to really, which is like, hey, if, if we're gonna do away with this, like we're doing away with everything. We're doing, we're doing away with everything, which it it sucks. You know, it sucks to, well, have why, to shake why, somebody's here's hand.
10: my question, Doug. Doug yeah. My question is, how, how did it even start? Like, I'll never forget. All of a sudden, I'm more coaching in the MAC. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And this is like nineteen ninety seven. I go, well, I guess we're you know, I remember the head coach would go over, shake hands, I'd go over, shake hands. Crean was an assistant, Michigan State, I'd shake hands with him, and we were gone. All of a sudden I'm in the Mac in ninety seven or ninety eight. And I'm like, What are we doing here? And all these kids in the Mac would just go, okay. okay, okay, okay. Nobody would even look at you. And I'm like, Screw this. I don't even know when it started. I mean, it's not like this is a time-honored tradition. This is, this, I swear to God, this is childish. It started by some soccer mom in peewee basketball, and some commissioner said, you know, that's good. What are we going next? We're going to have a, a mom at the end? Because, you know, we got to stay hydrated, Doug. Are we going to have a soccer mom at the end, or a team mom pass out drink tickets at the end, too? Because, you know, hydration is important. I mean, what are we doing? I mean, who cares? And, look, there have been more problems with it uh, you got a coach, and you said this perfectly today. You've got the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines, where they brag about Michigan men. I make fun of my son all the time. How do you know a person went to Notre Dame or went to Michigan? Uh, they tell you in the first two minutes <laughs> when you meet. Yes, Michigan men. And here got- is a
5: huh you got Michigan and the Big 10 and you know you'd work for the Big 10 network you cover the Big 10 and ESPN right which Michigan and the Big 10 they don't think they're better than everybody they know they're better than yes. everybody else right yes. and then you got and wait you hold got- on let's not give Wisconsin a total pass they're the that that yes. that coaching group they're the St. Louis Cardinals of uh, <laughs> of basketball right they they play the game the right way everybody else yes. everybody else yes. is playing it the wrong way Right. Yeah. So you have yeah. super, super arrogant fan bases, staffs, you know, followings or whatever. There should be held to a higher standard.
10: So. So. OK, we do still do the Doug, Doug. Can I just say something yes. else? Can I say something about that? I have a hard time just because, again, we all deal with our personal experiences. Right. When I was in the Big Ten the first time, I was there 16 years. We played Wisconsin twice a year. We were 31 and one. Against them. I have a hard time listening. And again, I understand this is 100 years ago, but I don't care. I have a hard time thinking that Wisconsin folks have anything to be arrogant about. Michigan folks, I've always thought are a couple. I always thought that arrogance was fake. I thought the Fab Five, Jimmy Jackson, actually talked about it last night on the Indiana Ohio State game. When the Fab Five was at Michigan, nobody's rival was in the Big Ten was the Fab Five. Everybody knew they were frauds. Everybody knew they were fake tough guys. They got on a roll in the tournament. That's great, but Jimmy said it last night. The rivalry was Indiana, Calvert-Cheney, against Jimmy Jackson. Michigan would, you know, we always knew when the Fab Five came to Bloomington, they had this little dude that set up this big party. They would stay out till 3 in the morning, and we would blast them. You know, you always knew. But Jimmy said it last night. He goes, that wasn't the rival. The rival was Indiana. So Michigan in basketball has always been what they are. Now, the football arrogance um, is real. It's there. And I got to tell you, going to football games with my son is at Michigan, it was freaking awful. Why? Just the big sausage eating, Michigan, you know, Bo. And, and I'm like, yeah, well, Bo never won a national championship. You guys were too dumb to keep Lloyd, Lloyd Carr. You should have. Uh, yeah, but, you know, Bo, men were men. The team, the team. I'm like, yeah, shut up. Go, give me the Southeast Conference. Give me Alabama. And it used to drive them nuts. But the arrogance there was more in football uh, for Michigan than there was in basketball. But you said it <laughs> you said it earlier. The head coach of Michigan basketball does an absolute punk move. He swings over the top at a guy that isn't is suspecting a shot to the head and then ducks behind his players. Now, I get it. Look. I'm, from, I'm not from the south side of Chicago. I'm from Gary, Indiana, which is south of the south side of Chicago. And the over-the-top slap at an unsuspecting dude and then ducking behind people is totally unacceptable. Totally unacceptable. I don't care how you slice. It. It's unacceptable for the Michigan coach. It's unacceptable as a representative of the south side of Chicago. That was the north side move. That was the southern Indiana move, not representative of northwest Indiana slash south side of Chicago.
5: Uh, okay, what would you have
10: done if you were in charge of handing down punishment? I think they got it right. Look, I, I, here's here's my thing. I am not. I let the Twitter guys. You know, I let all, every little Twitter guy determine uh, what apologies and how apologies should be made. I do agree with you. It'd have been nice to see uh, Howard apologize. You know, to uh, uh, to guard, but okay, he didn't. That's fine. But I think the end of the regular season, if it were me and I could work it and I could work through it, uh, I probably, probably would have said throughout the rest of this particular year uh, on into you know the NCAA or NIT, whatever they do, uh, but, I, but I'm cool with it. Look, I didn't want to see the guy get fired. I like Juwan Howard going way, 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 way back when he was a recruit. Uh, I know that he has done some really stupid things that people have not reported on to ESPN guy, just a bunch of really, really stupid things. But okay, fine. We all do stupid things. But you know what? Five games, fine. Player start swinging, that's fine. I do think, though, I do think that uh, I, I got to believe that unless Juwan Howard uh, doesn't really care about the job. I don't think you're going to see that out of him. That thing and the Turgeon thing, I don't think you'll see that anymore. I would hope not, anyway. I hope he, I hope he's, you know, he he understands and continues coaching there because I I think the guy's a good coach.
5: I I, I do I do too. I think it's, I I, I thought it wouldn't be a crime if he did the rest of the season. I only I'm like, do you reward a guy if they make the NCAA tournament? Do you have him go out there? Um, I think anything less than the rest of the regular season would have been too short. I'm not super offended by it. I'm not super offended by it uh, otherwise. Uh, 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 last thing. So we got to the handshake line. Um, what do you think of what Wisconsin did with their statement, which essentially is,
10: hey, Greg Gard did nothing wrong. Your thoughts? Love it. Hey, I'm not saying I believe it. I'm not saying, you know, he could have not done anything. We just let him walk, let Howard walk by, cuss at him, all that stuff. But look, <laughs> I always try to put myself in the position of the people involved, and if I'm Greg Gard, I'm like, I love it. If I'm the assistants, I love it. Look, people in Michigan, you know, that's fine. But hey, if you ever want to work for someone that's got your back, that athletic director at Wisconsin, you know, has Greg's back. Including this isn't a Greg Gard fine. fine. <laughs> this is a Wisconsin fine. I I love it. I know Michigan people don't. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I don't care. I thought it was great. Um, everybody wants to work. What's his name? Greg McIntosh. Everybody wants to work for that guy because he's got your back. Th- what do you think? I thought it was great.
5: I thought it was great. I, I didn't actually think what Greg Gard, if he, what he did was wrong. Um, I the didn't only thi- the, the, the only thing that I would have liked from both would be, uh, even Greg Gard would be like, look, you know, I, he just took it the wrong way, but I'm, I am sorry for how that thing looked. And, which Gard kind of did say, right? He was like, it took away from Michael Finley having his jersey retired. Like, Gard did kind of say that, but yeah, I, the, the problem was Juan Howard. Was nobody else was, you know, n- n- everything was escalated two times over because Howard first pointing in his face and then Howard taking a swing at Krabenhoff. Those two things don't happen. It's a complete non-story. That, that's it. Complete non-story.
10: You can. You, it would have been a story if they argued, but you know it would have been a story, Doug. Where okay, we've seen that before, right? But when you over the top take a shot and hit a guy, that changes the whole thing. Um, and again, I I was crazy as a coach, no question. Coach, I worked for a crazy man. I saw Lou Henson and Bob Knight go nose to nose. I had to pull Coach Knight off Henson, and Dick Nagy had to pull. Uh, Henson off a night in the back hallway and, and Henson called him a classic bullet. It's one of the all-time great scenes ever, but not on the court. Not taking a swing. And you said it earlier, and you're so right. Basketball, you kind of like, hey, man, argue, fuss, fight, but uh, don't swing on anybody. I've always said this about basketball, Doug. You know, I know you got to run. Uh, I always said basketball is the easiest sport in the world to cheap shot somebody. I mean, you got the ball. I'm in a stance. I'm right in front of you. All you gotta do is swing your elbow. You can knock me out. You can knock my nose out. You know, you got the ball. You know, I'm giving you hand action as a defender. Shoot, I can poke you in the eye. I can hit you in the face. Uh, you know what I mean? It's the easiest sport to cheap shot. And a, a, a handshake line or coaches is the easiest thing to do. It'll take a swing over the top when somebody's not prepared.
5: W, you're the best. Uh, can't wait to see what you got in store for us. Uh, coming up with your next show. Appreciate you being our guest on Fox Sports Radio.
10: hey, right, thanks for having me, brother. Thank you, thanks for coming on this morning. You are awesome, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio
5: tonight. Huge game, huge game at Extra Mile Arena, Boise State, twelve and two in conference play. A two point favorite welcomes in their rival from San Diego. They beat, I think, forty 42- two. 37 earlier this year. San Diego State, and Leon Rice, the head coach of the Broncos, joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Leon, how are you?
8: No, Doug, that, that had to be a halftime score, what you saw, I think, that 42-37. Uh, to 37. That was the final score, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, it was. But okay. I had a lot of my buddies, I had a lot of my buddies in coaching say, no, I saw that score, they must have printed it wrong. I mean, 42 to 37, holy cow. But when I went, uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's great to great to be on here with you. But uh, my buddies were like, it had to be a halftime score. But when you went back and watched that thing, holy cow, was it a physical? I mean, there are two really, really good defensive teams. And it was maybe, you know, in all my years of coaching, and I'm talking about playing against Michigan State, and playing against, you know some of the most physical teams in the country over the years that game might have been and probably was the most physical game i've been a part of
5: leon rice the, our guest on the doug gottlieb show on fox sports radio um when you were you watching were you watching the game the wisconsin-michigan game or do you, how, how did you how did you see the incident
8: well, I was going. You know, we had Mountain West games on. I think I was I was dialed into one of those, or up, uh, maybe I can't remember who else. But I was going back and forth with some games, and then somebody texted me about it, and like, oh Lord's sake, did you see what happened, and and so you know, immediately it was everywhere, and so I got to see it right away, and yeah, it was uh, it was a, a sad situation.
5: Uh, okay, what what what's your take on the hand on? some believe you should do away with 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 handshake lines where do you stand on it
8: well you know it's interesting because i i understand you know the the both sides of the coin and uh and but i do think there's a lot to be said about what the lessons that we have to teach kids and ourselves uh as coaches i mean this you know we talk about kids but uh, you know, we it's tough on coaches too to have to swallow their pride, have to swallow their anger, or get control of their minds before something like that happens, and 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 shake hands. And it's hard to do. It's easier said than done. There's there's a lot of handshakes that that have ended in bad things throughout the country. So, you know, I, I stand both because you know some the, the the conversations at the end of the game i think are useless like you know the conversations in the in the handshake line are ridiculous yeah i mean that's never the time to solve a problem or to explain yourself of what you did in the game if if you do need to have a handshake uh conversation well Wait till tomorrow. Reach out to the coach and and talk it out then, when cooler heads can prevail. Don't, you know that's that's a lot of the things. Is when, when somebody tries to say something and then it's misunderstood or, you know, tempers are high and all those. That's when all the problems start. So, you know, nothing really should be said other than unless you can say something really good to you know some of the players, which you know I always I always enjoy shaking their hands and uh, you know because that's the only conversations i have with a lot of those players and you know so to be able to tell them how much i respected them and like competing against them over the years and those kind of things those are those are the productive things that you get out of the handshakes
5: all right so so again if leon rice is in charge of all of college basketball keep or do away with handshakes
8: well i i I don't want to do away with it just because of a knee-jerk situation you know i like that you know i think just because something like this happens and all of a sudden no we do away with it and we haven't given it the whole pros and cons of it but but you know i'm a little bit more old school and and the old school is the handshake line and um i I think there's some there's some lessons to be learned and and it's a reminder for me that yeah i got to you know you, you you forget in college you got to teach these guys the same lessons over and over again so you can't take for granted that, well, I, I, I taught that three years ago about how important it is and the dignity and respect and the sportsmanship and all those things. You've got to be teaching that stuff all the time and, and with every group that you have. So, you know, it does it's a good reminder for me to be able to do that. And, and you know, Doug, more importantly, the, the, the one area where I've always been really, really concerned about that I think could end up maybe even worse than a handshake line situation is the court storming. And not that I'm against it, because college kids be college kids, but what I'm against is when these guys come storming on the court and they get right into a player's face as the buzzer going off. I mean, you are, that is the one that could end up that, you know, I pray that that doesn't happen. But I've been in a situation where, you know, I just remember one of them when we were at Missouri uh, playing with our Gonzaga team and we beat them and they stormed the court and, uh those guys, there was a bunch of students that ran right into Morrison's face, and I'm like, guys, you don't understand. This guy's crazy, <laughs> and he's so crazy in a good way. You know, he's so competitive. So you're asking an athlete who's super competitive, who he was down to the final shot, and he had the final shot. I think you know, or close to it. And you know, there's a lot going on, and now you got some college drunk college kid in his face. I mean, it's a powder cake, and I remember running over there and kind of getting him away from it, and I, I, ooh, but I, I could have started a huge brawl because, you know, all it takes is one match, and then the, the fire is gone, and so that that's the one that, that scares me a lot more than this handshake debate, because you see that a lot, and again, like, I'm for college enthusiasm and all the, the pageantry and the stuff that comes with it, but I think that's a Powder cake, waiting to happen. And there's, you know, there's some places that manage the sort carving They keep them away. You have to keep them away from the athletes. That's that's probably the biggest thing.
6: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: What up, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show broadcast live from sunny Southern California. Welcome in. Maurice Jones-Drew will join us later on this hour. Give me my thoughts on Mason Rudolph with the vote of confidence from his outgoing general manager and Rick Bucher will join us next hour. I'm told Dan Dockett's going to join us top of next hour. I did his show. He'll do mine. Former head coach at, uh, at Indiana as an interim and at Bowling Green, as well as West Virginia for like a minute. Uh, uh, Dan Dockett's opinionated uh, sports talk show host plus college basketball analyst will will join us. I do want to have this. Okay. Let, let me get this this story straight here. Byer, you were just talking about this settlement that the. US women's national team has has been able to reach with uh, with with the soccer Federation, right? It was a twenty two million
9: dollars settlement um,
5: as part of their equal pay
9: lawsuit. An additional two million dollars will be uh, used as well for uh, money that former players can uh, can take out of a fund up to like fifty thousand dollars after their playing days are over. So in all, twenty four million dollars um, as part of that
5: uh, settlement. Okay, but here's the problem with it: they actually previously got a greater share of the profits than the men did. Correct? Just the 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 profits were I, I, far I'll less. I'll be honest, Doug. I don't. I'm not I'm, as well I'll, versed I'll, on so it. So I'll I'll just I'll explain to people. Right? I'll Explain to people. Like this is an this is one of the most amazing snow jobs that has ever happened. Basically, okay. Basically, th- this is. I think the term is reparations, like paying back for times in the past. (laughs) Look, I, I hate to break it to you. The women's national team doesn't generate nearly the amount of revenue as the men's national team. The women's World Cup doesn't generate nearly the amount of revenue as the men's World Cup. So they actually received a greater percentage, greater share of the profits. The profits weren't as great. In a World Cup year, it is not close. And, and and some of this comes down to sharing, you know, when they go and play in these friendlies and the comparison the men like it's not even we're comparing apples and oranges. And for them to receive the same pay the same pay is crazy considering how much less revenue they generate. It just I mean look it up online and you will you will be like wait, what? I I don't, uh, I I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. And and again, like I I fully understand that women deserve, if you do the equal job, generally you deserve equal pay. But this, this is when you are taking off the percentage of the profits. It's much like the argument for the WNBA. You You have WNBA players saying like, well, look at what the men make. What with the men make? What, we should, like, what, their TV contract is like fifty x of your TV. Co- like, what are you even comparing? It's a completely different sport, a different calculation. I, I don't know.
9: Now, don't Doug, know. the the Wall Street Journal, and I don't know. Maybe this is and again. I'm not just saying what what the numbers were in 2016. Yeah, women's. Uh, what's that? Yeah, well, go. Ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Nero. Go ahead. Oh, it said in 2016, women's games generated 1.9 million dollars more in revenue than men's games, and that from a three-year span from 2016 to 2018, the women's games uh, generated just shy of 51 million in revenue compared to 50 million uh, for the men's games.
5: I b- I believe those stats are greatly, greatly skewed um, in regards to one, how many home games, two, the years in which they took place, right? Because in the men's World Cup years or when they play CONCACAF, like the the revenue is completely flipped. And by the way, if that was the case, they receive a higher percentage of the profits, they would be making more money. Now, there's a per game, right? But it's also how much the tickets cost, all the revenue generated. I think it's fascinating. You know, it's it's men's and women's tennis. Like women's tennis used to be more popular than the men's tennis. That's now flipped, and the argument against men's tennis, the argument against women getting the same amount of pay was, hey, they play three sets max. Men play five sets max. It's just amount of time, which is amount of revenue generated for for TV time. But uh, if you look at overall revenue for men's and and women's. I, I believe those stats are greatly, greatly skewed and don't actually tell the true story. I'll get more on that upcoming. Let's get to this story. Has anybody seen or heard from Zion Williamson? Because you get the total mixed messages, right? He's trying, he's, he's rehabbing, he's in the best shape of his life, but he's away from the team. No wait, he may need another surgery. No wait, he's, he's going to be back in February. No, he might be done for the year. Here's C.J. McCullum, who, of course, was traded to New Orleans from Portland just over a week ago on his relationship or attempt to build a relationship with
6: Zion Williamson. I haven't had conversations with him directly. I've spoken to some people close to him and look forward to sitting down uh, with him sooner than later. But I, I don't really uh, I know I know about as much as you do right now, but really? I want to get to the bottom. No,
5: no, no. This is J.J. Redick, former member of the New Orleans Pelicans, now on ESPN in regards to. To Zion Williamson, I get that he's hurt and away from the team, but you just traded
9: for one of the fifty best players in the league, a guy that's supposed to be paired with you. Reach out and say hello. This is a pattern of behavior with Zion that we are seeing again and again. And look, I was his teammate. I can describe him as a detached teammate. That that is that is an accurate statement. This is just this is basic, basic level of humanity being a teammate. Send a text to a guy when he gets traded to your team. That is just normal behavior. That's the bar minimum that you have to do. And the Pelicans yesterday sent out an email for season tickets for next year. Guess who wasn't in the email? Whose name was not in the email? Zion's. Like, what the heck is going
6: on in New Orleans? Uh,
5: uh, Yeah, uh, this one's a hard one, right? Like, you've had one decent run of Zion Williamson since he's been a member of the Pelicans. And he was a budding star but there've been so many injuries. So I guess the question becomes like what do you do there? Right? And this is a big thing league-wide. This is this is huge for the NBA. What happens with Zion Williamson is a massive massive story for the rest of the NBA. Here's why. You have um I mean pick out your star player on a on a non-top-five, top-ten destination city team in the NBA, right? Go, go, go through them. And the question is always asked when they get to contract extension time, do they want to stay or do they want to get to a bigger market, right? As of now, it appears like Damian Lillard is staying. Like I, I think Damian Lillard has gone from you know, guy who needs quality teammates to probably the most overrated player in the history of the NBA. He was in the top 75 team. Are you kidding me? Like, it's kind of laughable. Like, remember, we're talking about the 75 best players to ever play in the NBA. And Damian Lillard is on that team? He has never been better than Steph Curry. That has never happened. Okay? He's never been better than LeBron James ever in a year. He's never been better than Kevin Durant. Heck, I would point out he's statistically and in time in, in in terms of success very similar okay to Russell Westbrook right there's been Russell Westbrook went to the NBA Finals but on a loaded young team outside of when, when he didn't have that loaded young team they got to the conference finals that happened once for him and when it was his own team they got beat early in the playoffs that happened very similar the difference is Russell Westbrook historically significant stats either of them you could probably take off the list but Russell Westbrook has been an MVP and averaged a triple double three times like the whole thing. He's not better than Jokic, he's not better than Giannis, not better than James Harden. Like, but he's like the one guy that he receives all these extra adulations because he stays in Portland. Well, if you if you trade Zion because he doesn't want to be there, and it's not like let's not kid ourselves, it's not like Zion got there and said, Hey, like Anthony Davis, yes, he got traded. Yes, he wanted out. Hey, but Anthony Davis was in New Orleans for nine years. Zion hasn't. How many games? Y- you want to guess on this one, buyer? Without looking, without looking. How many games total? Total? Do you think Zion Williamson has played in his NBA career? Got Okay.
9: So it's been what? Uh, two. This is year three. Is that? Year three. Yeah. Year, year three. three. Um, I would say. Hundred and fifty.
5: Okay, um, Jay Stu, please don't tell me you looked this thing up.
7: I'd never do anything like that.
5: Okay, how uh, many? How many? Uh, over under one hundred fifty, or where, where would you? Where would you go? Um, I will go under one fifty. Okay. Uh, what, what would be the number that you would hit? You would say
7: closer to uh, one ten, maybe. Okay. Ramos,
5: um, if we're doing the prices right, now, right? <laughs> do you do one dollar? Do you do one eleven so that you you're not under? Do you do uh? What what would the number be that I'm you not a hit? math
2: guy, Doug, so I don't know what the one dollar means. What? But what I will say is it's definitely under 110. I say it's more like 70.
5: Okay, so it's over that. It's 85. He's played 85 basketball games total.
9: It sounds like Jason and I actually know how to play the game. You know. And, and, uh, <laughs>
5: I never understood that. To, like $1 one dollar. Like because well, you can't go over. Okay, so if you sure. bet one dollar, it means you're betting the under, but you're not put your you <laughs> no. no. You run no risk of going over
9: yourself. Listen, okay, listen. I, this is the other story. Is that it's like when somebody says, "Hey, guess how much this house is," yeah, uh, and then you go, "I don't know the neighborhood," right? You, yeah, yeah, or you I, go like five million dollars, and they're like, "No, it's $3 million." Like so, like you like go way over. I knew he didn't play 150 games, but I didn't want to, like, undersell it. Right. I so gotcha. that – yeah. So, but John – John ended up underselling it, which kind of diminished your point, Doug. I tried to
5: go way over to be like, wow, great point, Doug. But that's all I'm saying. I got gotcha. gotcha. you. I got you. Were, you knew what you were doing. Smart man. Yeah. Very, very smart man. <laughs> uh, look, I, I you know, that, that's the whole thing. Like, do you hold on to him to the bitter end and make him fulfill his contract – And, you know, you can make him even a restricted free agent. And then as a restricted free agent, you can match anything somebody else offers him. Like, that's the whole thing. People think that if his contract expires, he's a free agent. Like, not really. He'd be a restricted free agent, and then they can match anything they want. He still doesn't have to pay. So he could be under contract for several more years. But he uh, quite obviously doesn't want to be a part of the program if he's not even going to send a text or call CJ McCollum, who gets traded there. This is a really hard one. And the problem is that all of these small market teams, this is what they're depending on. They're trying to get the next Zion. They're trying to get the next Cade Cunningham. They're trying to get the next, um, uh, I mean, pick, pick NBA guy in small market. I mean, uh, probably the best is John Moran, right? And, and hope that they don't execute the power play the way that Zion Williamson is trying to execute the power play. That's why Oklahoma City has all those picks. Detroit, you ask those people, they will tell you, we cannot get any of these guys to sign here as free agents. We have no chance. So our only hope is to get the best draft picks, You just get the volume of numbers, get guys that hit, and then hold on to them as long as we can. It would be awful for the NBA if they trade him, and yet they may have to trade him.
1: I'm Vyosa.